It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Last week, we discussed uh, the art of making trades. This week, I want to delve into uh, what happened in, I believe it was June of 1978, the merger, Lou Nanny, between the Cleveland Barons and North Stars. Because I think when we talk about this, it's probably hard for people to fathom now in this day and age of professional sports, uh, two teams coming together, merging, ownership changing. I want to take you back, though, and start, because as we talked about uh, in the uh, in the trade discussion last week, you actually retired during the 78 season as a player. So you had just retired. What type of, uh, of shape was the North Stars organization in particular in at that point, and how much of a concern was there about the health of the franchise? Well, I retired in February 8th and took over in February 10th. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, you know, we'd lost our last game that I played in Wednesday night at Madison Square Garden 5 nothing, and then the owners called me that night, went back to my hotel room and told me to go. They wanted to see me the next day, and they wanted to talk to me about the condition of the team, what they thought should be done, whoever they have in this problems, and and they offered me a job uh, to be general manager. And and when we finally worked through the uh, details, I took it took it with a two year contract, and I had no understanding at all of the financial condition of the team, and I was uh, you know just going along thinking that everything was fine, that it wouldn't be a problem. And so I was coach and general manager for the rest of the year, and then we went to the meetings in Montreal. And I was in the general manager's meeting, and the knock came on the door, and it was Bob McNulty and Gordy Ritz. Gordy was the president. McNulty was one of the owners. And they said, don't make any trades. You're going to have a lot of players. And so I was actually talking. I was sitting next to Harry Hall, who was the general manager of Cleveland at the time, and talking to him. I was trying to get Al McAdam from him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I didn't do anything. I didn't know what they were talking about, and I had no idea and, and, uh, about this uh, deal that was going on. Only the ownership of both of the clubs, Cleveland, which was owned by George and Gordon Gund, and, and the North Stars, which was re- represented there by Ritz and McNulty, I had uh, known about the discussions, and I'm sure the president of the league, John Ziegler, did, but no one else was aware of it. And so I... That was the first indication that something might happen, but I didn't know what. Okay. So was there a concern at that point that without the merger of the two teams that both teams might fold, or what would have been the potential fate of the North Stars franchise without this? Well, that's why I said I, I, there was never ever any talk about it. No one knew uh, the depths of uh, losses that the teams were incurring, mm-hmm. and there was never any talk about the North Stars folding. I don't believe they would have folded. Okay. 
I think the ownership would have continued to go along and put money into it. But uh, at, at that time, uh, they were looking for a solution, and uh, and it was really initiated by the guns. George Gunn uh, <laughs> was the owner when they were in San Francisco, or actually Oakland, and, uh, and Mel Sweet was the uh, uh, owner of the Fairmont, and he was partners, and he wanted out. George got Gordon in, they moved to Cleveland because that's where they were from originally. That's where they were born. Sure. And and then they were just uh, really drawn very poorly. And so there was a concern to get out of there. And and when George happened to know Walter Bush, and I think that's how the talk started, and George said, we should move our team over there. And, and this talk started about getting the two together and, and, uh, and gun scene buying the North Stars out which the owners were very agreeable to because they didn't want to lose any more money and they, they were going to get a good price for it and get out of it. But no one else knew about that at the time. So, Louis, when, when did this go from uh, the day when, when they started to loop you in at least a little bit by saying don't make trades to we are actually thinking of taking all these players and putting them together and, uh, and j- just when did they loop you in completely so that you knew the magnitude of this plan? About an hour later. <laughs> so when I came out of the meeting and Thanks they met with me and they said, "Look, uh, you got to go up and meet the guns." And I said, "Who are the guns?" And they said, "They own the Cleveland team." And I said, "What about?" And he says, "Well, we're going to put the two teams together." So I'm going up there thinking we're buying Cleveland. I had no indication at all that Cleveland was buying us. Yeah. So I, I walk in and I knock on the door, go in. There's George and Gordon Gunn there and your lawyers and. And uh, an accountant and uh, introduced myself. They introduced themselves. They sat down and they said, uh, we got some questions. And John Carr was there, too. And some questions we'd like to talk to you about. I said, sure. What's on your mind? And they said, well, there's uh, a talk, you know, going on right now. We're uh, very likely to buy the Minnesota North Stars. And we want your thoughts on uh, what kind of deal we could structure with the league and and how many players we we need to protect, we, you know, uh, how we would go forward with this. And God, I was just, you know, flabbergasted at that time. I thought I was going there and talk to them about their team, and here they're talking about our team. Yeah. So, and I didn't know whether I'd still be working or what the deal was. So they said, we're having discussions at the board meeting today. Let's, uh, and, I, and we've already had initial talks. I said, you have, and... What did you talk about? And they said about how many teams, I mean, how many players we could keep, you know, from the combined team. And I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, they're not going to let us put two teams together and keep them all without having non-playoff teams draft players from our team. Okay. And I said, well, what did they discuss? They, they said, well, they were talking 12 or 10. I said, did they mention 10? They said, yes. I said, that's it, 10. You don't move. If you've already been talking about it, that thing will leak out to the press in no time. They'll get it, and it'll be all over the face. You don't have to move. Don't move. Whatever you do, it's staying at 10. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I mean, uh, they didn't say 12. They said 10. It stays at 10 plus two goalies. I said, okay, fine. So uh, then I, I went down and uh, later, and I wanted to find out what the thoughts were and, and how they got to that number. And they had selected uh, Sam Pollock, who was the best general manager, Harry Sinden, and 
And I believe it was Ed Snyder, and I don't know why Snyder, he was an owner of Philly, of course, and I don't know why he was in the threesome. They were put together to determine how many really, you know, good players that you would protect. And and so I went looking for their list to make sure the guys that they liked were the guys that I liked. <laughs> and I got it out of the waste paper basket, you know. And, and the wait, funny wait, part was when, when they, when they, there was a little opposition in the meeting. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, some of the owners, how can we let two teams go together? Well, one team had uh, 45 points, one had 49 points. It's Cleveland. And, you know, gee, you're putting two teams together, it would be a juggernaut. Semi Pollock got up apparently and says, gentlemen, when you take one bag of crap and you mix it with another bag of crap, all you get is a bigger bag of crap. There's no problem putting these two teams together. So he wasn't worried, you know, that we were going to be very good. Uh, like really good, you know? Yeah. So that's what, what uh, you know, uh, essentially got the owners to buy into allowing the merger. And so... Then um, I said to the guns, okay, whatever we do, you know, if you're talking to anybody, don't trade any of our players uh, for any draft choices. We're not giving up any players for draft choices. We're not making any deals until we finish protecting the team and going into, you know, uh, the, the draft and then see what we got left. And I said, whatever we do, no deals, no deals. And then... And they said, okay, fine. And they said, so don't talk to anybody without, you know, uh, let me know, no deals. Mm-hmm. Well, about 3 o'clock in the morning, I made a deal with Max McNabb, who was the general manager of uh, Washington. And Washington was the third last team. You know, there was us, Cleveland, and Washington. So Max and I finally agreed. He, we had the right to institute a second-round pick at the beginning of the second round in place of a player. And I had told Ziegler and I told everybody, no, we're not going to, you know, let somebody pick before us. Well, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I made a deal with Max McNabb. And so when we got to the draft, I, the guns almost fell over because when when the draft was going on, it came to Washington picking first. He said, we're going to take a pick at the, stop, at the start of the second round. Well, Gordon was... Uh, Epiplectic for crying out loud, he didn't realize. Well, well, I thought you said you're not going to do anything. I said, well, I got what I wanted at 3 o'clock this morning, so I did it. And he said, well, what did you do? I said, I got, we have two picks in the second round that the North Stars had. Yep. I said, we picked, you know, it was like 24th. It was in, uh, no, it was 18. It would have been 19. It would have been about 20, 20th and 23rd. And I said, I had them agree that I could list two guys that they can't touch with the pick, because that's who our pick's going to be. And if they're not going to take our guys, what do I care where they pick? Right. And now we keep the extra play on our team. So that's what happened. That's when we picked, I think it was Giles and Kristoff. Okay. Or no, Steve Payne. It was Steve Payne. It was Steve Payne and uh, Giles, I think it was. So, so we kept, we were able to protect 10 and two ten skaters, two goalies. And then the next team would draft a player from us, and then we get to protect another guy. And so we did this until it was, you know, we uh, it was over. We, we lost, I think it was four players. But uh, then we ended up with 62 players, I think it was. Or let me see, it was 40, 42 players. 42. Mm-hmm. And 
and unfortunately, it was no it was sixty, about sixty players because it was a reserve list of all, <laughs> including the minors. Now I got all, and a lot of this is crap. Yeah, and and so uh, when it's all done, the gun says to me, "Okay, our our, our budget, we have four million two hundred fifty thousand dollars of contracts we're liable for. You got to get it down to two million and a half." I said, "Geez, right? How am I going to do that? You know, I mean, a lot of these guys aren't very good. That's why we're we're in this deal. So we don't care how you do it. Just get it down, except you know." Keep the best players. <laughs> well, that's what we yeah, plan on doing. Yeah. And so, uh, in the next month, I got rid of about twenty guys, but I got I got it down to two million. Oh, they wanted two million a quarter, and I got it down to two million and a half. And then they were a little upset because they wanted uh, they wanted down another quarter of a million. I said, hey. I, I can't work any more magic. How am I going to get this done here? And I said, you want to get rid of Bobby Smith? There's your quarter million. Go. And they said, no. So we picked up a number of draft choices, mm-hmm. and we finally got it down to two million two hundred fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. Because when I had taken over North Star, the whole budget there was a million two. Sure. You know, for a team. Now all of a sudden they got two, you know, like two teams or at least two budgets. So we had over two million dollars. But that's that's how we got it done. Wow. So who who was the uh, most dip- difficult decision made on of the guys from Cleveland that you didn't keep? Uh, probably Bob Stewart, but I got a second round pick for him from Oakland. I think he probably was the most. He was a defenseman. Marouk as well, right? You traded? No, him. no, no. I had Marouk, and then I traded him. Okay. A month in the season for first round pick. Okay, gotcha. I kept Marouk. Gotcha. Yeah, but when we had. You know, and, and we had Rook, we had Bobby Smith, we had uh, um, Tim uh, Young, yep. we had Sharpley, yep. four sentiment there at the time. And and I'll never forget because, you know, Dennis wants a lot of ice time, and he was productive, but he wasn't a defensive player either, you know, you know what I mean? Yep. So he was productive, but, uh, you know, he also was... Total offense, not as much defense. And we went to Montreal to open the season. It was the first game. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting up there in the first period and second period, and I'm watching the game, and Bobby Smith's hardly touching the ice. And he's our first pick, and he's a really good player. And and so I can't understand what's going on. And then after the game, I talked to the general manager, Harry Hall, I said, well, what are you, what's going on there? Why, why aren't you playing Bobby? He's all Merck went crazy when I try to get Bobby some ice. He get you know, really upset. He wants more ice. Well, and, they, and I figured Harry wasn't going to, you know, confront this the way I want him to. So I just figured Merck's gone, and I traded him. So that that's why though. That's okay. why I traded that him yeah, okay. because it wasn't nice enough ice for the four of them. Right. And and uh, and besides, he was the least defensive player of the of the four. And and all three could produce. All three were really good sentiment. Brook sure. was probably, if not first or second, most productive, but least defensive. So it was with the kind of team we were, we were planning to build in. And so I got the first round pick, which next year turned out to be Tom McCarthy because it was tenth overall.
That's not too bad. No. So, Lou, to, to back up to, so when, when the North Stars decided uh, to basically um, sell to the guns to come in and own them, uh, was, was there concern on your part that the guns were going to bring their own people from Cleveland? And H- Harry was the Cleveland GM, correct? And then came in and coached yeah. the North Stars. But w- was there a concern there initially that they were going to try and uh, turn things upside down here by bringing in all the Barons people? Or was the agreement oh, yeah. always that you were going to remain as GM? Well, they told me right off the bat that I was going to be the GM. But then, but then there was concern, like you said, because right after the draft was over, I walked in and... Uh, they had a, their guns were there and John Carr, and they said, "Okay, we want to know who you got under contract uh, as coaches, scouts, you know, man in in management uh, de- department." And that's when I knew that they were going to try and cut things out, and and they had guys under contract on their side, right? Which they're going to try and put in one of which, you know, had Harry Hall under contract and a couple of scouts and. Sure. And I knew it exactly when I said, uh, well, my assistant, uh, I made my assistant John Mariucci, and uh, and then and I'll never forget, because John Carr says, who's John Mariucci? Says, well, John Mariucci's a legend in Minnesota. He's a great hockey man. He's played in the Blackhawks, played at the university, coach university, and he's very knowledgeable, and uh, he's uh, probably the best-known name in Minnesota. And John Carr says to me, we don't hire guys just because they're legends. And what's his contract? And I said, he's got another year left at, uh, you know, it was like 35000 Okay, fine. I walked out of that meeting. I said to John, you got another year in your contract, 35000 He says, no, I'm done. I said, no, you're not. You got another year, 35000 I just hired you. Oh, wow. And, and be, so I wasn't going to let him fire him. Right. Without paying them. Sure. And so that's when I knew that, you know, there was going to be some negotiating about who I could have and who, who I had to keep and who was going to be gone. And, and the Stars had been owned by a group of people, correct? About 11 of them. Okay, which is probably not a great uh, f- formula for success. Mm-hmm. But so it went from being, so h- how much then changed from, from that large group of people trying to help run the team on a day-to-day basis or overseeing things, I guess is the best way to put it, to having a George and Gordon a- as your bosses? Well, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. The, the, I would say unequivocally that George and Gordon Gunn were the best owners in any sport. In any sport, and in any sport, certainly that the Twin Cities have ever seen. And I say that because they were committed to having the team successful. They ran it like a business. It was like I was getting a Harvard business education because every month, I mean, I was in there with budgets and and uh, like we'd have a timing variance on pucks. Basically, so well, you're way over in pucks, yeah. I said because we we bought them all now, but we haven't used them all. I mean, small things like that. But it was that's how they looked at everything. Wow. And and yet they never ever 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 interfered. And even though John Carr was president, I never had to run a thing by him. I did the deals that we wanted to make, me and my staff, and I, and I didn't have to call up the guns if I wanted to make a trade. I'd make the trade and then tell them afterwards mm-hmm. uh, or whatever we did. Of course, I, I'd like to, and I did keep them aware of a lot of things, but sometimes, you know, you got to strike when the iron's hot and I don't have time to talk to them. Just like when Gordon went nuts, he said, how could you do that? You didn't tell me anything. I said, I wasn't going to wake you up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and when you get something for nothing, uh, you know, 
I, I got two guys protected without having to do a deal. So who cares what they pick in the second round? We're done. Right. You know, I said, so I can't, I can't rely on, on having you, uh, you know, okay a deal, and then all of a sudden the guy gets buyer's remorse and doesn't do it. Absolutely. You know, and, and so I said, you know, you got to understand those things happen when you're, when you're running the club. You, know, you got to trust me, and I trust you. But you know, you you have to give us the freedom to operate the way we're going to operate. And they did that. They, I, I just can't tell you. I can't say enough good things about how good they were. So, what's going through your mind though after you had had passed up business opportunities uh, to go outside after you retired? from hockey and you took this GM job, which was, you know, a gamble of sorts, but you knew who owned the team and all that good stuff, Louie. And then, as you said, in June of 78, you get the inkling that they're going to merge and sell. Are you thinking to yourself, this is absolutely crazy? Because as you said, the work that you had to do then uh, post-merging of the two teams is, if not unprecedented, it's certainly not normal for a veteran GM, much less a young GM at that time. I really think it was unprecedented. I, I don't know if any time it ever happened in any sport. At that time, maybe not, Lou. Yeah, and and I and I, I have to tell you that it was happening so fast, and so many things are going on. Like I told you before, the, the why I would never want to be a coach. I love being general manager. I like the action, and 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 I, it was it was unbelievable action, and it was exhilarating and tiring, but. Uh, I was. It was certainly an exciting time for me, and I never gave a thought to anything else because I was just, uh, you know, really uh, caught up into the transactions. Sure. I heard a story a few months back that, and I, I have not heard this uh, before, and don't know if it's true or not. Was there a chance that instead of Cleveland, it, it was going to be the Washington Capitals involved in the merger? Had yeah, definitely. They, they, that's what I found out later on. Now, when when the guns weren't very successful in Cleveland, they were drawing nothing. Yep. Now they were looking for a dance partner. And so they were talking to other teams, one of which was Washington, about merging. So I think that's when they, I, I actually think that, that they might have gone to them first, and then uh, Walter Bush got wind of that and then said, how about us? Okay. Because, uh, you know, the the guys in Cleveland just assumed that Minnesota were doing really well. Mm-hmm. And Washington wasn't either. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that they, they started with Washington first before they came to us. So it would have been the Capitals and Barons then, and yeah. the North Stars would, would have been on the outside of that right. potential merger. Uh, when you, okay, so you sit down with this this roster of all these people and you you know make decisions about who to trade, who who to keep. What was your honest assessment at that time about how quickly success could come? Because clearly, in retrospect now, it came very quickly. Well, um, there was a broadcaster, Al Berman, right? I think his name was Al Berman out of New York. He was doing some games on TV for NBC for the National Hockey League. Len Berman, I I believe. Len Len, Berman, that's exactly right. Okay. I remember the name. So our first game of that season was in Montreal. We're playing in Montreal. And he had me on an interview at the end of the first period. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, he said, uh, well, Louis said, you, you got these two teams you put together and you've uh, you got some players and uh, you got some young guys. How long do you think before you're able to uh, maybe get to the finals in the Stanley Cup? And I said, well, I think we might be able to do it in three years. And so he started laughing and said, okay, everybody, you heard that. Three years, this team's going to be there in three years. 
and we got there in three years. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Well, you you beat what? You beat Montreal in the playoffs. Was that that uh, was the year before? The year before. Yeah. And then we, right? that year we beat Montreal. We only went to the semis. But the next Brady. year right. we beat we beat Boston. We beat Buffalo. And we beat Calgary. Yes. Uh, so did did the rest of the league then at this time? Were, were they upset, or because there were p- people in the league who had actually arranged this and knew about it, they weren't that upset? No, Did they weren't think? that upset, because you got to remember, they, 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 the first year, then they moved us to the Boston division, and you know, a tougher division, too, yeah, which sure. is fine. We didn't care, because we wanted to sell tickets. In fact, I, I, I called Don Cherry, who I knew, and Don was really accommodating to me, a nice guy. And I had him come here and do commercials about how the Bruins were going to, you know, looking forward to beating the crap out of us. So we put them out the year before, you know, the, uh, the that year, but how they're going to beat the crap out of us and all that <laughs> stuff because they're going to be in our division. Yeah. And uh, and we got 68 points that year. We didn't do as well, but, you know, that was just the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, right away people weren't fearing us, weren't worried about us at all. What player or two that, that you got from the Barons uh, proved it to be the most pleasant surprises that you kept? Well, I don't know if they, was you know, one, there were a lot of surprises, but I mean, you know, the best we kept, we kept Melosh. Melosh was terrific. Yep. And, uh, uh, you know, surprises, you know, uh, we we got we got Paul Schmier, and, and the surprise was his leadership ability. He became a great captain for us. He was a good defenseman, but he was an even better captain. And he really got the team knitted close together, you know? He was tough, too, as I recall. Yeah, and he was tough. Weathered. Yeah. yeah. He, he was weathered. He had taken a lot of pucks to the face, I think. Yeah, right? yeah. And he uh, he really, really helped us. You know, we, uh, you know, we, we knew about the other players, that what they could do in the ice, but I got to tell you that Smear... Uh, I was really pleased what he did was bringing the group together, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 the funny part was he wasn't even playing Cleveland. He was in the WHA, and I grabbed him out of the WHA, but they had his rights. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. So you so you grabbed him from the d- d- WHA. You kept him and and got his rights. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, how how much do you look back on that experience too? Because I mean, that's something now. I don't want to say it couldn't happen, but I don't think it could. And and just as far as the magnitude of that entire project and what that meant, well, it couldn't happen now. That's for sure because there's too much money involved in sports franchise fees are too way too high. You know they never let uh, you just get, give away a franchise like that. Uh, I I think though you know the uh, the effect of it 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 it, it really it, it took away a non-drawing team in the league, and you got a better team that solidified our, our crowds and our franchise and made a hell of a difference there. Mm-hmm. We weren't drawn very well. That's why we are, you know, that, I didn't realize it, but that's why our owners were hemorrhaging money, and that changed. And uh, so, you know, we started on the road back to selling out again. And then, obviously, uh, having good teams really helped it. All right, sir. Great stuff. Talk to you next week, Lunani. Okay, thanks, Judge. Thanks nice again. To talk to you. All right, See bye-bye. You. Bye-bye.